Welcome to another episode of Elemental Collision. My name is Dave Graham. Today I'm joined by James McMillan from Manchester, England, and we're going to be talking about entrepreneurial smart matching. Let's join the conversation. All right, everyone. I am here with the esteemable James McMillan, the one half of my nexus and the gainer is not able to join us today, but I'm sure she is here in spirit more than anything else. So welcome to you, James. It's a pleasure to have you here you. all the way from Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. yeah. You know, I kind of forget every once in a while. Across the pond somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> so today we're going to talk a little bit about my nexus, you know, kind of how it started. What's the, the ideology behind it? We all have reasons why we do the things that we do. Um, but let's start a little bit with about yourself. You know, how'd you get into this business? How'd you get into doing what you do today? And give us a oh, wow. What a, a little one. Um, I mean, so I'm, I've always described myself as the black sheep. That's, that's where, that's my, that's my bucket. Um, I don't know how true that is. I think everyone feels like a black sheep. Some <laughs> At some point or another, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but actually, I, I started my career in accountancy, which uh, is, is kind of far away from where I expected to be now. Um, I did lots of time in audit, corporate finance, buy, sell, um, all that kind of interesting stuff, but not really. Um, hated it, um, wanted to get out, just went out into work, ended up being head of a HR program management office. I did business process improvement um, and then ended up becoming a business advisor because I'd just kind of been involved in business. That's all I'd ever really done. So I sort of started small, went up big, learned loads of stuff and then ended up really just back at small business. Um, and that was where I kind of found uh, actually this is the bit I really love you know kind of helping things grow fixing problems um getting involved that was sort of that's the theme really that runs through my mad career of just jumping around doing everything yeah it's impressive I mean not I think uh, depending on your walk of life or where you are in your life I should say walk of life yeah, your walk of life's really interesting too take a stroll you know somewhere uh, <laughs> you end up in these places that you didn't expect right you know going from maths to something a little bit more you know people focused really you know that journey from actuarial whatever to human resources right yeah com completely and, and in a weird way actually you know me saying like oh yeah the theme is just kind of fixing things actually the theme's probably more like people um because even when i was in audit you know numbers are actually about people you know people put numbers there they don't get there by themselves you know yeah. um and actually the people side of things is something i always really loved and even in business process improvement it was about understanding who does what and why and what motivates them and why they're driven to do certain things and I think that that actually is something that I've always been interested in so the psychology of of how everything fits together as well I always find it's it's always a, there's always a little a little angle of that in in yeah. what I'm doing I think yeah people kind of forget that for a moment you know like uh I, my history my background is in psychology that's what I went to school for I spent some time as a adolescent therapist and working in social work. And then I got into tech and you would say, how in God's name, you know, <laughs> going from accounting to HR or going from social work to technology. So widely divorced from each other, at least on the surface. And then when you realize it, I mean, it gets me conversations with people like you, you know, it's 
it's finding the interest, it's finding the story behind the technology and how that technology impacts human lives, right? You know, because like you're saying, yeah. it's not just a number, a person has to put that number in there. And if we really distill it down, that uh, that person actually influences what that number becomes, right? It's like this exactly. interesting yes. little kind of oh, yeah. nested relationship. So yeah. on that note, so in the grand scheme of things, I asked this to everybody, you know, what does community mean to you? I mean, people, is it more than people? What is community? Oh, it's it's really hard, um, I think, to, to pin that down to any one thing. I guess everybody says something similar um you know or you start off on one thread and then you you end up pulling at another eight or nine um i think community more than ever for me is actually about this kind of sense of common purpose mm. because we've sort of i think we've we've lost it quite a lot you know you look at everything that's going on at the moment and yeah. um everything that will probably have happened by the time this goes out um so I won't allude to that because now you'll just think uh, I can tell the future just by saying something really general, like <laughs> something exciting will have happened. We, we can um, take bets later. <laughs> smart, right? I'll, I'll write it in an envelope and we'll, we'll open it. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that actually that sense of common purpose really is community. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of stuff going on in the world at large right now it's about people trying to find it and trying to kind of there's everything seems to be an argument about whose community's right you know and and that's kind of the joke is that they're all right you know we're actually all trying to pull in the same direction and we can all coexist by doing that and doing it differently in fact you there is room for everyone um and I think that's what, you know, community, that's what it means to me. It's, it's kind of re being respectful of other people's kind of domains and agendas, but also just seeing how you fit into it because we do, we do fit together. I like, you know, there is no, I mean, there's, it's really kind of a loaded question when you think about it, right? There's no real <laughs> right or wrong answer. You can go dictionary definition, if you will, or you can go exactly. more social. And I think I love what, how you explained it. You know, it's, it's, it's working towards a common purpose. It's working towards a common ideal. And, and I think along the way, regardless of when this gets posted, we kind of lose the plot a lot. You know, we kind of sometimes forget we're, we should all be rowing in the same direction. <laughs> we all want to coexist peacefully. We all want to have this, you know, just, you know, big warm hug at the end of the day is the best way I can put it. You know, sing Kumbaya by the fire is the expression we go, right? <laughs> but a lot of times we forget that part and we create these factions. You know, we have my community versus your community and we see this in politics, right? It's probably the biggest example mm. of it but we see this also in society and how we pit one person against another or one ideology against another or we create dogmas and all this kind of sociological nonsense and bullshit yeah. really when it comes down hey, to it. and listen I don't, I don't know whether it's a um a sign of the times or, or what but almost i i a lot of my reflection around community often is is about you know we live in the age of information and sometimes i think that people have 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 lost it or have got focused in some really small detail actually because they're just overwhelmed with all the information and they don't really know how to process it all it's like there's too much yeah. so how do you differentiate it how do you split it apart which is good information which is bad what what is good or bad you know what is that as a definition and, and everyone just kind of gets really focused then on this one little tiny thing over here and then <laughs> they start they start losing like perspective of everything yeah. like oh just rein it back you know just leave it it's fine 
Yeah, missing the forest for the trees, as they say, right? You know, it's like this one singular issue becomes that log jam, becomes that imposition that, you know, if you actually looked at the road, it's pretty big. (laughs) We're all going to be able to go down together, but you're stuck on that little piece of gravel that's like right there. You know, the way this thing looks different than the others, right? Should be there. Well, who are you to judge? Um, I really appreciate the context on it. I mean, I, I suppose the natural knock on to that is, you know, when we look at communities and we look at kind of those interactions and the, the next level of that is how do communities build upon each other, how they build together, right? You said common purpose. A lot of that common purpose has to deal with trust. <laughs> how can I trust you to do what I believe you should be doing? And that's even more directed than it should be is how do I trust my interactions with somebody else? And so when I look at these major themes of what I'm kind of researching, yay, go academia. Um, Trust factors into everything that we do, right? It's either implicit, something I just take for granted, like the fact that we have a conversation today, I trust you to have a good conversation and you have not proved me wrong, which is amazing. I appreciate Still that. Still so time. And we've, we've, we actually had a pre-call to this too. So I knew what I was getting myself into, um, which is even better. But in your, in your words and kind of in your framing, you know, what is trust? You know, how do you view trust within a community? I, mean, <laughs> I like, I like, really, really tough you stuff. know, like, no, it's, but, but I love this stuff. Like this is, this is the bit that, like I'm a real kind of, I don't know, I'm like a, my friends would say I'm like a bit of a geek. So I'm one of those people that always knows a little bit about everything. I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I know a little bit about that, you know? Um, so I, I've always, I've always got something to say, um, whether you want to hear it or not. Um, well, I'm here to I, hear it, think, so there you go. <laughs> it's a good job. Um, yeah, I think, because trust within community and, and, my, and, and maybe my answer, I suppose, or my thought process is almost loaded in what I already said, you know, and that kind of like, oh, actually, because everyone's sort of struggling in community and they don't really know how to talk to each other anymore. It, it feels like the default thing with trust is now that it's not there. When it almost, mm. like it used to be the de facto standard, you know, trust was a given. Yeah. And then it was like, and then if you eroded trust, then it was quite hard to build it back up. Yeah. And now we kind of, I think we start from a position of the opposite, which is like, I don't trust anything. I don't trust anyone. I don't trust technology. I don't know what this new thing is. Um, you know, this person, I don't know you, you could be anyone. I'm not interested, you know, and, and everyone's kind of very j- jittery. I feel like right. jittery is a great word. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, tr- trust for me is very closely connected to, to I guess, the concept of faith. It, it's, it's almost, uh, it's a part of not just a, a, a willingness to be open with someone, mm-hmm. but actually it's, it's almost a, a willingness to kind of blindly accept that things could go wrong. And you know what? That also doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad or that I got it wrong or that I shouldn't trust that person. Like you, you've actually got to divorce the trust as well from kind of other factors, you know, other things that might happen. Um, because, um, you know, to me, trust is about kind of putting your best foot forward. It, it's just that element of actually, I'm willing to put myself out there. So I believe that you will too. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy as well. Actually, all these people who are going, I don't trust them. Well, the other person is doing the exact same thing, going, they don't trust me. Why? What's wrong with them? You know, and so 
everyone's busy second guessing and trying to work out what they should be doing but you know trust is blind you know you you it is just something that you do um and i think it's almost a mindset really you know in a strange sort of way well i uh, yeah again there's no real right or wrong answer with this i mean it's it's, it's curious because there's an explicit implicit exchange right you, you know, we'll use our conversation as an example. I mean, why not? It's right here in front of you. <laughs> as I approach you, you have to trust that when I'm going through and asking these questions, because I don't provide a lot of structure around these things. Yes, audience, I don't provide structure around what I do. Welcome to my ADHD brain. You have to trust that the questions that are coming out are not going to be putting you in a position of awkwardness. They're going to be putting you in this, right? It's like you're saying, you, you go into these things with a measure of confidence, if you will, in the other person in that situation. Now that may be a result of your experience with other people, right? You know, I know that when I've done these podcasts in the past, the person is typically going to be this way, right? You're, you're assuming the history of humankind as I step away from this history of humankind into this interaction, right? Because we're built on this idea of social exchange. You know, we're built on the idea of a conversation and conversations are inherently easier to have than those I need to come in and sit down at my desk you know, type of one way, <laughs> by the way, you're fired, you know, kind of things, right? There's that, there's a difference in, in kind of approach and feel. And on the other sense, you know, there is that kind of, you know, I, the way I approach you is that I believe that you're coming to the table in good faith. There's good volition behind it. I understand that you're here. You volunteered to be here even, even better, right? Wasn't con compelling you to James will show up on this podcast, right? And so there's a step that you took towards me in doing that as well, right? It's both and. It's, a, it's an equal exchange of values. You wanted to have a conversation with me and I with you, and we meet in the middle and we have the conversation. So outside of the psychosocial babbling that we both can have about this, because I think it's a very <laughs> heady topic, and yes, we'll be exploring that more in this season. I think it's, I, I appreciate the perspective a lot because I think it is missing in a lot of what we do. You know, we've defaulted and even going back to one of your earlier points, we have so much information at this point about everything, the way we breathe. I mean, I'm wearing a ring that counts my steps and my breathing and my sleeping. I have a watch that does the exact, I mean, I am overloaded with information at any given point. <laughs> You know, and I look for correlation potentially to a point of causation, right? And I get to this thing and I'm almost overwhelmed by how much I have. And so my brain naturally filters it out and creates this, I am breathing. <laughs> there we go. I'm good. I'm good. You know, like I don't need to know all these details. And I think we get overwhelmed by that really, really easily in society as well right now. All the nitpicky stuff, as you're saying, well, this politician, you know, did drugs, you know, railed the line of Coke back in the eighties, probably can't trust them. Well, God, that was like 30 fucking years ago. <laughs> so calm down. Yeah, a lot <laughs> you know? happened. Yeah. yeah. So all that to be said, let's, we can migrate to more joyous pastures, if you will. So let's talk <laughs> a little bit about your journey into My Nexus. You know, what's the, what was the genesis of, of starting My Nexus and the ideas behind it? Yeah. So, um, well, your, your questions on community and trust are not misplaced, Dave, um, because it's, I mean, a lot of that runs through what we do. Um, and, and actually, so my co-founder Gainer and I met because, um, oh gosh, uh, so we first met, I should say, um, back when I was working in accountancy and I was doing corporate finance and helping people sell businesses and Gainer was working in the client, I was advising her, um, and we kind of worked together to get the deal done. 
Um, and we didn't see each other for eight years after that. That was it. Um, you know, we did the deal and bye-bye. Yeah. Um, and then we we got back in touch um, a couple of years ago because I'd set up my business advisory um, and she had a startup. Um, and it was sort of a, hey, I'm doing a new business. Do you want some business strategy for free? And then I can go and sell that to other people. And she was like, yeah, why not? Um, and so we started to just collaborate and work together. Um, and that's interesting because I suppose, you know, the trust was definitely there. We were like, I've worked with you before. We know how this yeah. goes. So um, we kind of both been through a bit of a journey in that time. And, and it was really great to reconnect with a new skill set. Um, and we were just kind of chewing the fat um, about her startup. Um, and, and she'd been talking about how difficult her investment journey had been and how hard it was as an entrepreneur and how little support there was and how fragmented. Um, and I was talking about it, I suppose, from the position of my clients. Uh, and she'd also been involved with a private investment group. Um, and, and in that mix of all of that heady stuff of us pontificating, you know, what was the right way to get investment and how hard it was and what, why we wanted to fix the world. Um, she'd also been introduced to using gaming technology, mm -hmm. actually in um, a makeup app because that's what her startup did. And so she was then talking and introducing the idea of technology. Um, and she said, look, I've got this mad idea. You know, I, th I think that we could use gaming technology to build trust between investors and entrepreneurs in a really quick and easy way and actually kind of turn the process on its head and, and make that easier to do up front and then stop the wrong people getting together. Mm. And I was like, yeah, this sounds amazing. I was like, this is, this is great. You know, we should have had a wine. It was probably a coffee. Um, <laughs> but we, we were just kind of really, we just connected on this problem. Um, um, and she said, look, do you want to have a go at kind of co-founding it with me? You know, let's go and explore. Um, and we spent a year kind of in parallel then to our day jobs, um, having you know, workshops and focus groups and really getting to understand everybody in the ecosystem and saying, like, is this really viable? Like, is it a good idea? Is it, are we crazy? Um, and the stupid thing was that the more people we spoke to, the more people just reinforced mm. that this was a good idea. Um, and so um, last year we ended up raising uh, a small amount of finance for our kind of first kind of seed round, pre-seed. Sure. Um, and saying actually can we build an mvp and then we we kind of just launched the mvp and by the time this goes out we'll have our game as well um nice. for kind of scoring and and kind of psychometrically analyzing your entrepreneurial potential and we were like wow okay that's really cool so in just kind of 18 months we've gone from this mad idea to to just creating a business out of nothing and so so we're actually living the journey which is quite fun as well i suppose you know we're, we're struggling along with everyone else right now <laughs> well it's a good kind of struggle i mean struggle helps you grow right i mean that's always been the thing i think when i talked to vikas um a couple a couple of weeks back you know one of the things that we talked about was that growth through struggle you know that discomfort should lead you to trying to solve that discomfort and that discomfort of whether it be philosophical or otherwise, right? Leads you to these great things and how you come up with it. So it's interesting that gamification, if we look at the category, has become such a major part of how companies are looking to, as you say, you know, either psychoanalyze or, you know, use metrics around that kind of psychology of the human experience in order to get them to engage. What were a couple of things that you found in the course of your focus groups that kind of led you down the path of gamification even further? 
Um, I, oh gosh, there was there was there was quite a lot. I mean, so it. I suppose it's it's um it's very common for people to say now. Oh, you know, um, everyone's attention span is getting shorter, like because of this issue with you know information overload. Um, it was almost this thematic of there's too much information, but we want more. And also, um, I can't tell what's good information or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I don't have any time to look at it. So don't, you know, don't, don't, don't create me a platform with all this information on because I don't want to see it. It's going to take too long. It's too hard. Actually, do you know what? This is a terrible idea. And we, we were kind of like, wow, everyone's really schizophrenic with this issue. Yeah. Like, what, what is wrong? Um, and the more we probed under that, the more we kind of got to this kind of um I guess it's a tension in in the industry that it that it is while people are trying to gain trust they're trying to get information but actually the information that they're trying to get isn't the real information it's the information that satisfies the psychological kind of need or worry that they have about that relationship so what they're really trying to do is find information that is a good strong yes or a strong no so that they can be very happy with their choice that they've made. It has very little to do with actually whether that relationship is going to be successful or, or anything like that. They're just, they're just like, I just need to feel comfortable, but I feel like all I need is more, even though I don't want it. Um, and then when we kind of kept throwing up this idea of the game, we were like, well, if we use a game and then that gets you away from kind of bias and it stops people kind of, you know answering as they think they need to answer or they think you want to hear um you know would that help and I think every that's the point at which everyone would just kind of stop and go well that sounds really interesting you're like okay well now we finally found something that you're bothered about you know you kind of if if the information was too much but actually if I can give you a score they're like a score's good you know a score I will I will look at that's good information um, so we, the more we kind of floated the idea, I think the more we explored this concept that it's about the right information or the right information in the right combinations that will help somebody get through their decision-making process. Um, uh, and that actually, weirdly, gaming sounded exciting to people. So they, they were into it, whereas everything else, they were just like, oh, this is all rubbish. I don't want to know, you know. Yeah, it's that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in that in those terms before. And you kind of going back, put a little Freudian bent on this, right? You want to satisfy that id, that that kind of primal desire. Yeah. Right? I need this, you know. And the ego kind of sits in the middle and goes, "Well, do I need this or do I not need this?" And I don't know. And then you have the you know the super ego kind of sitting up there going, really pragmatically, I just need to know yes or no, right? You know, that kind of you're solving for X really within that kind of con- context. And I, you know, it's, it's been funny because intention deficit wise, I am probably the chief son of that particular event. <laughs> I, I have ADHD and I context switch with the best of them, probably too much as it were. Um, hence the line of questioning, which is all over the map. But anyway, so when I look at this, I, you know, I always constantly have a little game running on my phone, you know, and so I kind of go through that, you know, and to a certain extent, it helps kind of split that um, I'll say it, contextual awareness from what I really want to accomplish, right? 
And so in a way, gamification, and it's what it sounds like, and feel free to amplify it back to me if it's wrong, you're kind of splitting the context of those nonverbals, if you will, that would normally happen in this exchange from the actual meat of what should be happening, right? You're removing, mm-hmm. ironically or unironically, you're, you're injecting a little bit of noise to pull out the signal, right? It's that, yeah. that concept of playing around and kind of engaging a little bit more of the creative, more of that, that primal side of things in order to get and extract that yeah. value. So. And, and getting through to those real decisions. So actually, you know, when when you fill in a psychometric, you know, it's it's accurate like a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But there's always those times when you fill it in and you're in not quite the right mood. Or actually, I'm really thinking about the context here. So if it's a psychometric for an interview, I'm gonna overthink what I think they want to think about me. So I so I'm 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 reading the questions, but I'm like, I think it's that, but I don't, is that how I feel? And then you get lost, right? And you, you're, you're away with it. <laughs> and the point of the game is exactly that, is, it, is, is it's almost to be disconnected. Um, because when you game, you're more of yourself than if someone's actually asking you the question. So what we're really doing in the game was we're asking you loads of questions all the time. But for you, this is just making decisions. It's running a business. It's, do I choose supplier A or supplier B? Well, you know, and I'm going through all these thought processes, but I'm not really thinking about why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. And that's kind of the important bit, which is can we take the behavior actually that's real and not the behavior that you you think it needs to be or or that you would like it to be, even though really you're not that guy or that girl, you know? not trying to precondition the answers or responses either. I think yet yeah, to your point, when I used to do Myers-Briggs related stuff, you know, personalities <laughs> or, you know, MMPI was another one, you know, you're sitting there going, is this going to make me out to be a psycho? <laughs> you're like, what is this going to end up being? You know? Well, hey, and so I've just, I've literally, I've been on the phone this afternoon with um, Galen Bookwalter, who was the former chief science officer of eHarmony. Yeah. And we were literally talking just about that and how um, kind of actually there's something like a fifth of entrepreneurs are kind of like bona fide sociopaths, like, like not the good kind, you know? And, and, and then we were talking about the fact that actually that's also the same if um, you are like a bone surgeon, which is like, oh, okay. And you think, oh, that's a bit strange. Well, actually, no, because if you're going to saw through people's bones, you kind of need that sort of personality. So, so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, it, but actually, there's a lot of psychos that are entrepreneurs, apparently. So you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that one. That one's going to be my poll quote. This is going to be in the teaser for your, for your episode. <laughs> you, you might be a psycho if... Eh. Try my nexus yeah. if you want to determine if you're yeah, like, oh. exactly it's entrepreneurship yeah. for you. Come join. Yeah. It always yeah flashes through <laughs> my mind when you were saying that you know uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock right. I'm a high functioning sociopath. At one point yeah. he mentioned that I forget season three or something like that. <laughs> Mario was constantly repeating. I who am I kidding? Um, that's that's really interesting information. Yeah, eHarmony was kind of the. Uh, that's probably a bad phrase these days, but whipping boy for, for a lot of that kind of Myers-Briggs inventory, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to take those 16 dimensions and we're going to distill it down into, you know, your perfect match. And it, around the time they launched, I was still in education, at, you know, I was mm-hmm. still doing my degree. And so a lot of professors that I had talked to panned that idea. They're like, mm-hmm. listen, <laughs> you can't distill humankind down to these things. But I suppose there's a there's a rationale behind it. And you, you obviously talked to the chief data, you know, former mm. chief data science there. So there is a way to kind of have predictable or predictive behavior or characteristics. You mm. know, if I look at my, 
Myers-Briggs indicator, you know, INFP, you know, I know there are certain characteristics that go along with introversion versus, you know, I forget all the other letters because I just focus on the I all the time. You wouldn't know it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am an introvert, but the, the aspects of that are such a broad category that that's a real, you know, it's, it's a relational experience more than it is you are this type, you know? So I think there's yeah. a lot of, it's interesting. It would be interesting to peel back the coverage. I think a little bit, as you start to get folks using the app, as you start to pull that data, mm. start to look at correlation of these type of things or how you're setting up your psychometrics for people and how they get matched. Right. And I'm sure that's the secret sauce and I don't want you giving away anything, but I mean, you know. I can't tell you anything about that, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what I will say on, on that topic though, is that you, you know, you hit on a really, really important point, which is that, um, you know, you need to bring the human aspect to these because psychometrics, you're right, are only as good as kind of a, the data that goes into them. Um, but they're also, they are contextual. So it's really important that actually we're giving you that set of information, but it's not like a right or wrong scenario. This is about fit. And it's about saying, hey, in this situation, you know, that psycho CEO is perfect. In this one, not so much, you know, that, that, that's kind of what we're trying to help people do, which is get, get the right level of information. Um, because and what's really terrible, and what the, you know, the big problem we're trying to solve is actually around the bias in investment, because it, it you know, women can't get investment if you're LGBT, if you're a person of color, you know, it's, it's really effing hard. Like that is, that is an understatement. And, yeah. and that's just because as humans, we're really bad at this stuff. You know, actually our personal connection can be our biggest strength and our biggest weakness all at the same time. So we're, we're trying to take it away when it's a weakness. And then we're trying to move it just that little bit later in the process and say, look, we've given you all this amazing data. This is a good match for you. Now do the human bit. Now work out whether it is a good match. You know, if the, if the paper exercise has done its job or not. Yeah. We, uh, I won't talk too much about my employer. Um, I am employed gainfully. Thank you very much. But one of the things that we did, we, uh, we implemented something similar to that. It's a process called bias check internally and in, inside my employer, which was really trying to, the, the initial idea behind it, and I did a presentation with a gentleman named Brian Reeves last Dell Tech World, which is happening again in the annals of time. It's happening next week. But, you know, when you get this, it's happened in the past. Um, <clears throat> and the beauty of that was that there was, there was an attempt, and this is well before any of the social unrest situations, but it was still to your point, it was much harder for people of color or LGBTQ or, you know, choose choose your uh, marginalized community. There you go. So choose your marginalized people group because um, they truly are in, in the, in the aspects of white privilege. You know, that's really what it comes down and entering into the tech space. It's a whole, <laughs> it's escalating it to an exponential degree. Right. Um, but that process was really, really cool. It's informative is to actually look through and understand, you know, contextual to who you are, you know, what are some of these things, you know, judging for unconscious bias, you know, judging for survivor bias, you know, these type of things you wouldn't necessarily think about in a day-to-day life. But we do, as humans, judge a lot of the books by their cover. You don't look like I think you should. Ergo, I'm not going to, you know, interact with you. And it goes back to that community and trust aspect. So, hey, full circle here. A lot of that perception and, you know, they have this axiom in sales, right? Perception is reality. And the problem with that is it's so broken of a model. It may be sociologically true, 
fundamentally fundamentally so you know scientifically it's not you know and yeah. you sit there and you, you, you sit there and you feel like you're fighting upstream a lot with that so i mean from from my perspective i i admire that aspect of what you're you're trying to do is in trying and trying and trying you know uh, we've i've talked with the uh, in in past interviews, I've talked with board diversity uh, folks, a woman named Ann Orr out of Belfast with Boards 123, who's trying to push for more diverse boards. And we talked a lot about these kind of forcing functions that you have there, whether for good or for bad, you have a forcing function in my nexus, right? It's a, you know, listen, this is not normative behavior. We do these things unconsciously or consciously, but we're going to try to remove those aspects of stuff from your consideration. And we're going to put in front of you you know, I'll say raw, but, you know, qualified yeah. data, a qualified match, if you will, if you're using a dating and dating analogy, a date, you know, here's your, here's your, your equitable date, yeah. right? Oh, we're all about the dating analogies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I could. I just, I didn't want to misspeak at all, which I have a tendency to do. <laughs> no, um, and actually I think it's the easiest way for people to understand what we do because people get that. People get relationships. They get that you don't get married to someone you just met. Maybe some people do. Um, <laughs> some but, people but, did in Corona too. But, you know, <laughs> but also it's all of that, um, that side stuff that comes with it, which is like, you know, when you're so desperate to find your relationship, or in this case, money, um, yeah. you know, that that you will jump into bed with anyone that you hope yeah. is going to be good for you. And even though they treat you like dirt and it's terrible, yeah. you stick it out, you know, and it's the worst thing you can do. So because while you're doing that, you're missing opportunity. Yeah. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to help people find their fit, you know, find the, what, is it, what was that quote in Friends? Is it their lobster? Oh, God, I'm it's a long time ago so if anyone gets that reference they can uh, message no, me on right. linkedin and i'll give them a prize <laughs> there you go all right i'll make sure i pull that one out too <laughs> so as we're running up on time here again we, we look at the concept of matching you know a startup to an investor or you know and and that concept and, and a lot of it you know comes down to removing some of the obstacles out of people's way, right? Removing, you know, putting the blinders on to a certain extent and saying, hey, you're going to enter into this and you're going to judge someone by the quality of who they are, not what they are per se. Um, so if we could distill down my nexus into a, you know, give me the 30 second pitch, if you will, of, of my next, uh, if you can, if you can, oh, I'm, I can. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> too judgy, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, give, give me uh, give me the give me the pitch there, and uh, we'll kind of wrap it up from that perspective. I mean, put very simply, we are the entrepreneurial super smart matching network. That is what we do. You know, we put people together and match them entrepreneurially speaking. Um, but yeah, we help we help in some early stage businesses find investment. That's it. There you go. I like it. Building and trust was, and community. Do you want that in as well? No, uh, you don't have, no, no that, that's just, that's icing on the cake, so to speak. You know? um, no, I really appreciate your time today, James. It's, it's always, it's second time's a pleasure too, just as much as the first time. And I, I really appreciate, you know, your candor and, and your journey. I think these, these things, these conversations always have a way of going where they need to go. Right. And, you know, it's been a blessing to have you on here and I look forward to working with you and Gainer in the future and seeing what comes of it. You know, it's, it's going to be brilliant. I can guarantee it's been really great. And congratulations on the successful launch. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Elemental Collision. 
If you'd like to know more, please go to joinmynexus.com or elementalcollision.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.